Hey, Vikings fans, number 96, Brian Robinson is bringing NYC's cheesiest food stand to U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit Mack Truck Mac and Cheese on Minnesota Vikings game days for a new game time snack. That's why I'm good at punt return because, like, that's like a move you make this close quarter. So it was like I had two things in my mind. It was either I was going to beat him to the pylon or if he overplayed, I was going to make a miss. Like I always say, you know, what's slowest for sure and what's fast don't last. So you just take your time and everything will fall in place. I supposed to. Like my good friend Jack Harlow says, cold like the Minnesota Vikings at home. It's Victory Monday, and this is the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett. We've got Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson, producer Eric Davidson here. We're going to be joined by Jalen Rager later in the show. Super psyched for that guy to get here. His touchdown contributed to the Vikings' 29-22 win over the Chicago Bears, making Minnesota 3-0 against division opponents at home this season. You know, since the whole, like, you know, cold like the Minnesota, get it from the beginning. You got it, guys. You got it. Yeah, it's going to be 80 degrees tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I had a friend, I was telling Tatum, I had a friend, I guess his first time ever in Minnesota this weekend. He was at the game yesterday or game on Sunday, and he kept saying cold like the Minnesota Vikings at home. I'm like, (laughs) dude, let it go, man. Like, we get it. But I get what you're trying to do, Tatum. Yeah, well, I think think this is our campaign, or I'm starting the campaign to get Jack Harlow to, like, do halftime when – one time this season, so you can sing that song. Sing. I shouldn't say sing. It doesn't sing. Jay, do we have the he budget for that? that I was going to say, I'll talk to Greg Bostrom. I'm sure he's yeah. love to get some I don't know like if that. his budget. I mean, Jack Holler was just here. He was here uh, London week or something. Yep. Um, so that would have been perfect if we weren't, you know, across the pond. I was going to say halfway across the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really missed our chance on that one. Speaking of London, this is also the first time that a team who played in London Opted out of the bye, played the next week, and won. So how about that for making some history? Yeah, and then the Packers losing. So I will take the double whammy anytime we can get it. So what was louder, Jay? Fans after the Bears game or fans whenever the Packers score popped up on the screen? Well, there was a strategic <laughs> reason why I think we were popping that up there pregame just to get some energy pre-game, going. Pregame? It was going on during the whole game. But that was the best part <laughs> is I think it was the one thing that Vikings fans and Bears fans could agree on That's during true. the game was, hey, the Packers are losing to the Giants. Let's keep this thing moving. That's why it was so loud. For sure. We all hate the Packers. That is correct. There is a mutually assured destruction we'd like to see with that team. And uh, as as, uh, uh, Cy and Kevin Bozeman were saying on the tailgate, they're like, I don't really hate your team. I just don't want you to win when we play you. Otherwise, yeah, we both don't like the Green Bay Packers, and so we've got that in common. I'm glad this isn't the GBP pod, the Green Bay Packers podcast, but what an epic collapse by the Green Bay Packers. Like, I was so excited to see that. Um, I'm sure everybody in this room was too, but God, like if they can do that every week for the rest of the year, uh, there will be a one extra happy Minnesota Vikings employee. I know one day that I'd really love to see this happen, and that would be January 1st. <laughs> it'll, it'll be cold like the I Minnesota Vikings at home. Then. <laughs> happy New Year. I need them. I need them. I need that to happen that week in particular, you know, but but it's funny because so we, we are what, five weeks into the season. This team is four and one. You really couldn't. I think it's safe to say. This is a good feeling. Like we would take four and one heading into Miami before the bye, four and two, five and one. Like that's something we would definitely take at this point. Especially with the way our schedule has been. Um, I know a lot of people say our schedule isn't the toughest, right? Outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, a lot of our four wins are games that we should have won. And rewinding back to last year, we had a few wins, I mean, a few games on the schedule that you were like, okay, we should win this game. We didn't win them. Uh, It's very encouraging seeing us, you know, 
battle, be battle tested and come out on top. And I think the, these wins, even though they aren't against the, the greatest opponents, these wins are very good early on because when we get to some of those later games later in the year against these good teams, we can always go back to these games and say, okay, it wasn't the, the greatest team that we played now, but we know how to win close games. So um, while it still is a win in the win column, um, there is a, a spirit of grit and resiliency that this Vikings team can, I guess, lean on when times get tough later in the year. Yes, style points, style points don't matter, Jay. No, no, it's absolutely not. It's a record not. at the end of the day. Hundred percent. Style points will not get you into the playoffs. Style style points will not get you to retain a coach. Style points will not be the thing that everything is measured on. It is wins and losses and ties if you end up having them. But for for this whole thought process, Jay, I feel attacked. I, I, why? <laughs> <laughs> you just said it's talk about firing coaches, and I feel like there was like a North Carolina. Oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> top of mind, absolutely. <laughs> but that's the thing is like when it comes down to it, this is a a, a very black and white business where if you win, you get to stick around and, and do it again next year. And if you don't, people start having serious conversations that cause issues for uh, leadership, ownership, all that kind of thing. And and for me, if you would have said that essentially 30% into the, the season, you would have a blemish on your record, I think everybody would have been willing to take that. I think when the schedule came out and people started going through it, they looked at this first chunk and said, you got to get right in order to make sure that you're setting up for a little bit more of the difficult chunk that's coming up here in the next essentially uh, two quarters of the season or half of the season. Um, for me, I, I, the idea, I think a lot of people said, what's going to happen with Green Bay? You should probably beat Philly. We basically reversed that. And um, it, at this point, if you're saying we're four and one, I am very happy that we've done it. All right. So we've got five weeks of tape on this team now. And I thought it'd be a good time to bring back the one thing you liked and one thing you think they need to improve on. Because, as Harrison Smith said, I, th- I love this quote after the Bears game, if you can learn while you're winning, it's pretty awesome. doesn't happen all the time. I think it kind of shows how good you can be. We're just scratching the surface. Yeah. yeah? I, that's it. I, and I think that is a good mentality for a team to have. For sure. I think as a savvy veteran like Harrison Smith, he knows he's seen this he's team. He's seen it all 100%. <laughs> he has seen teams that have gone undefeated in five weeks and and not make the playoffs. He has seen teams that have struggled to really get their footing, but make the run at the end and really do some damage in the playoffs. And I think he's he is the cautiously optimistic, savvy old vet who knows that this is a good way to start. But he also probably is realistic about you know what they need to clean up yet for the team. As uncomfortable as close wins make people, especially these last three weeks against the opponents, how big is it that the areas of improvement are apparent, but you're still... Somehow, are you lucky? Are you magic? Are you like stressed? Are you good? Is stress the well, you award? are stressed, but like at the end of the day, like these games going the other way, we'd be having a totally different conversation. For for sure, um, and I think it is. I mean, to your point of like getting those style points, I think it is very key. Into Harrison's point of learning while winning, because if you're like you said, if you're losing. It's a whole different ball game. This podcast, these podcast topics are way different. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm I'm happy that we're starting to get these close wins. But I, I'm, personally, I'm happy that our schedule hasn't been the toughest right now because we can learn and get wins and see what we need to improve on and see what we do well and then go from there. So, uh, this, I mean, four and one is, I mean, that's the best start that you can possibly get outside of five and zero. Oh. Yeah, I mean, outside uh, outside of five and zero oh for sure. I, I if you think about if you've played any kind of sports or any kind of competitive natured thing losing is contagious but winning is contagious too and the fact that 
all off season last year, we were kind of lamenting the fact that we were so close in so many games and just gave it up at the back end of the first half and second half. That was kind of your kryptonite for the entire season. We've done the opposite so far this season. And that is that is uh, something that, that I think a lot of people are really excited about is saying, you know, it's the Al Davis, just win, baby. And you want to make sure that style points are there. It's great to blow somebody out. But the fact that when you do get into crunch time and you have to have it and we've been pulling those games off, that is a very good good uh, characteristic to have for this team. And I think it just gives them confidence that you get into a game late and you got to have it. We can do that as this team has proven so far for the first chunk of the season. And we've seen each unit at its best also. Like we saw the offensive unit versus the Packers or, I mean, the first half of this past game. And then you saw the defensive unit uh, against the Packers early on, like have like really good stops. And it's like, oh man, like we can be really good. And then you see the special teams against the Saints last week. And it's like, okay, we, if we put all three of these phases together, this team can be really special. So it's just getting to that point and clicking on all cylinders. And it's nice to know that when one unit is not having the greatest of days, the others can really pick it up. Look, you can call me crazy, but I personally would like to be, you know, four and one right here and able to have it be harder just because if you're just coming out blazing through teams, is that team really going to be ready for weeks 15, 16, 17 playoff run? Like, because everything good was going your way. I mean, that's the Arizona Cardinals last year. That's, that's what exactly I was thinking what I was, about. Yeah, all three of us were mm-hmm. on that exact same wavelength. That is. I think the Cowboys have been like that a couple of times I too. I feel attacked again. I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> no, you're, but you're I right. I did you're look so straight right. at you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're so right. I mean, I'm just thinking about the Cowboys' 13 and three year. Dak yeah. Prescott. Uh, I think that was 2016. Where I mean, was that the just, catch no catch year? I think maybe. I no, can't that, I think that was the Aaron Rodgers year. Um, okay. Fourth quarter. I mean, don't. I'm now. I'm yeah. Um, so just <laughs> stirring the pot. We we definitely have a, an opportunity to figure things out as we go, and the fact that we're winning. I know I keep saying that. Like I I just love to win. Yeah, everybody does, and I think at this point. Like you said, for me, yes, it's the marathon, and but you've started off strong, and if you can continue this to just continue to ascend versus feeling like you hit the dip, um, you know, you're going to have some tough teams. I know this Miami game was one that a lot of people circled, and now you got quarterback questions going on, what's going to happen down there. That Buffalo team looks insane right now, and that's going to be a huge test, but you figure if you can keep putting together some bigger wins when you hit a game like that, especially in Buffalo, there's the feeling that that team is going to be something you can really put a litmus test against because we already had one of those in Philly, and Philly definitely showed us a bunch of our warts. And now with that Buffalo game, that's another giant benchmark to see who you really are as a team that's facing off against some of the top teams in the the entire league. All right, so let's switch it then officially to the one thing you like and one thing that needs to improve. Gabe, I will start with you. What is the one thing you like so far? Justin Jefferson. That's a good thing to like. Yeah, especially when he's breaking all kinds of records. I was reading that he has tied Randy Moss for the most 150-yard receiving games in his first three seasons in NFL history. So he's been the, I guess, the the energizer bunny for our entire team this year. Um, whenever J.J. does not have a big game, our offense usually struggles. And when he does, our offense usually does well. So Justin Jefferson is probably the highlight of every Minnesota Vikings fan, I guess, player-wise. So I I just love everything that he's doing. Hopefully he can continue that. I mean, I don't think the Bears, I guess, game plan for him in the first half this past Sunday. I mean, he went for 138, and it's like, 
where did we lose this guy in our game plan for the week when it, when it came to being successful against this Minnesota Vikings offense? So, JJ, keep going, my man. That's what happens when you decide that you're just going to try and play a man-on-man. It's yeah. just like we have seen so far this year, if you decide to do that as a team, that is probably not going to work out very well for Unless you. Unless you're Darius Slay. But, but see, that's Should the, I brought that up? No, yeah, you should because <laughs> – and that's the point is like – Unless there is an elite of the elite type player defender like that that they can trust. I don't know if Chicago felt like either they didn't have the personnel to, or they thought they had the personnel to handle it properly. But whatever they did that first half, they obviously realized it wasn't working and they were playing basically cover two for almost the entire second half. And it made things a little more difficult, but that was definitely a, a, a fun game to watch yesterday, first half, and just watch him go bananas the way he did. Yeah, and J.J. also broke the franchise record for most receptions. Good for him. Uh, in his first three seasons in the NFL. That's so crazy. And that was a record held by Mr. Moss yeah. as well. So, you know, it, I don't know what it is about these Minnesota Viking receivers. but uh, At home. Yeah, at home. Uh, I think the record was 220, 226. J.J. broke it in the first quarter. And so he still has the rest of the season to just shatter it. And hopefully no one ever touches it again. Wasn't he on pace to have like 370 receiving yards yeah, after the first quarter? Something insane. Yeah, yeah. I think Jeez. it was 122 on the first drive. No, on but in the first of Kirk Cousins' 17 straight completions, eight of them were to J.J., for 122 yards. My favorite was Kevin Seifert uh, wrote out the stat and said, Jefferson's yards in the first half were more than all of the wide receivers on the Bears team have had for the entire season. None of them had hit 134 yards for the season through the first four games, and he did it in the first half against him yesterday. Oh, yeah, no, he has the, going into this game, he had the most yard, like his yards were more than all of the Bears receivers combined. Yeah. Heading into this game. <laughs> was it? Yes. I thought, oh, wow. That says a lot. Yeah. About. <laughs> there was no receiver had 134 no. yards in four games so far this season. Well, the Bears, um, I was talking to, it's just weird, like, seeing, like, hearing different perspectives. I have sure. a guy who works for the Bears, and he was basically saying, you know, today was best case scenario for that team because it, it showed their resiliency and grit, and they didn't give up. And I'm like, dude, this was a bad oh. game for the Vikings. Um, but it, it, to each his own. I'm going to make it worse. Yeah. Jefferson had 100 more yards than all the Bears' wide receivers combined. Yesterday? Before the game. Before <laughs> the game. I know you're about That's that. so nuts. Before the game. He is. He's a special talent, man. It's fun to watch. Insane. Hey, he said he's going to be the best. Keep well on his way. Keep making it happen. Kirk, keep feeding him, right? For and sure. I, and I think, honestly, that goes hand in hand with Kev, what Kevin O'Connell was trying to do. The fact that he adjusted to uh, defense wanting to double team JJ um, after the first game of the season and him basically saying, okay, like we're still going to go to JJ, but I'm going to make a conscious effort to give the ball to Dalvin, give the ball to Adam, make sure those guys work so we can open up more opportunities. I don't think our, just from watching film, I don't think our offense has changed that drastically from week one, or I guess from week two on when Darius Slay pretty much locked JJ up. So uh, I think Kevin O'Connell has a lot to do with, and I guess Wes Phillips and everybody involved with um, still finding ways to make J.J. successful, even though teams are trying to uh, limit him or take him out of the game plan. For sure. All right, Jay, what is your one thing you liked? I think the big talker in the offseason that I have been the most impressed with has been the offensive line play so far this year. Uh, Darisaw being basically ranked as a top five tackle in the league right now, that was a giant question mark. You know, he was dealing with a lot of injuries and everything last season. You've really seen him 
every single week he gets highlighted by a lot of people, especially on social media, saying, watch this guy right here. And it's basically him mauling people or keeping Kirk clean off of that side. And it's it's been a lot of fun, let alone what we've come accustomed to with Ryan O'Neill, the other names like Garrett Bradbury, who also was somebody that you know, off season wise, people were wondering what was going to happen. He was talking about gaining weight and kind of working in a new system. And it just feels like uh, Ed Ingram and and Cleveland and then Bradbury in the middle have really kind of shored up that inside and the pressures that have been happening. So I've just been super impressed watching that offensive line and just feeling like we finally have some really fun consistency there. And there's not a ton of times where you feel like Kirk is having to kind of get twitchy. The best part for me was watching and seeing pieces where he's sliding around the pocket instead of feeling like there's footsteps. He's got time. He knows he's got time. And when he can slide around that pocket and make some plays happen, including that first down run in, in the game against Chicago, those are the kind of moments where you feel like this offense finally has time to really pick their spots and, and dagger some teams. So that's why I'm excited. Yeah, you know, in this last game, there were three linemen that didn't allow any pressures, and that was Ezra Cleveland, Christian Derrissaw, and Garrett Bradbury, who got a lot of hate heading into this season. I'm just going to say it. He got a lot of hate. People were kind of like a little nervous. And, I'm, you know, Brian O'Neill's not having a normal Brian O'Neill season. I feel like he still kind of hasn't hit his stride 100% where he's had a couple of off games. But uh, but Christian Darisaw, like you said, is just he's, I think, the third-ranked tackle by pro football focus right now in the league. Sure. He had two of the last three games has not allowed a pressure. That's great. And I don't know if you watched the clip yet, but him manhandling Robert Quinn and doing a somersault over him was quite possibly the greatest clip I saw yesterday. <laughs> yeah, Christian Darisol, I mean, he's a he's a man amongst boys, but he's still <laughs> only what like twenty two, twenty three. Oh, when you go up old. to that baby face, you're like, Oh yeah. wow, you are a very very young man. <laughs> right. So like seeing him I guess just take this year personally, um, it, it really shows the dedication he has to to his craft and um, there was a play, I think it was the first play of the game when Robert uh, Quinn just tried to rush up the field. They call it a speed rush. You just rush up the field as fast as you can. And I try to beat him, uh, try to beat the left tackle outside. And Darisol was on that, right? Like he moved his feet and it was like, oh, damn, like Darisol can move. And then the next play, Robert Quinn acted like he was like running up the field and then trying to try to uh, bull rush uh, Christian Darisol. And Darisol just basically just like anchored his feet. And then bench pressed him off of him. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is going to be a long game for Robert Quinn. And the fact that we're Darisaw is only in year two and he's taking elite defensive ends out of the equation, um, that says a lot um, for for your team going forward. And to Jay, to your point of Kirk just being comfortable in the pocket, it takes a lot of trust. And the fact that Kirk trusts his left tackle and trusts uh, everyone else in front of him, including Garrett Bradbury, um, I, I expect this offense to continue to excel. I'm still a little concerned about Ed Ingram, just seeing mm -hmm. how he's going to mature. But every single week, he's gotten better. And that's at this point, that's all you want from a rookie right guard. I think trust is such a big word that you said there, because I think it, you can hear it. Kirk is a little bit more open about things than, than normal, I think, this season. And he even has talked about how he forgets Christian Darisaw's playing in the game, and that's exactly what you want from your left tackle, right? Like you don't want to have to feel like you need to say something to him or that he exists. A, a, lineman, <laughs> a lineman is like a cornerback. Yeah. Anytime you hear their name, it's a problem. It's a problem. So when you don't hear their name. holding penalty. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. So anytime you don't hear their name, uh, kudos to those guys. Yeah. Well, playing off of what you said, Jay, I'm going to go with Clutch Kirk. 
Uh, you know, a lot of people are a little hesitant about how he was going to be. It was a big money year for him. He signed that new deal. And, and I think he's been delivering, you know, hasn't been perfect. No, but I think as someone who is learning a brand new offense and getting all the weapons to be on the same page, the offensive line has been key for him to be able to kind of iron those things out. I mean, just this last game, he was 17 straight completions to start. 19 if you date back to the Saints game, which breaks Tommy Kramer's 16 straight completion record. Uh, the game-winning drive, he was 6 of 8, a 5-yard scramble. And the 1-yard punch-in plus the 2-point conversion to JJ. When it mattered to be poised and knowing your team needed a game-winning drive, he was there. It's been three straight games where he's really had to take control in the fourth quarter to put this team back into things. Um, I, you know, I, I really can't say enough about what he's doing uh, right now. I just hope that you'll, I'll get to my one thing needs to improve in, in a little bit, which will also tie into this a, little, a hair. But like, again, I think that his veteran presence, no panic, no hesitation and trusting his guys and the guys trusting him has been just key in getting those like clutch moments out winning on these close games instead of losing like what happened a lot last year. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that's always been the, the question with Kirk is what Kirk are we going to get, right? There's always been the discussion, primetime, noon games, three o'clock, whatever. <laughs> there's always been this national feed. And, 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 and I think with Kirk, there's been the attitude, at least on his end, of I'm just going to go out and play my game. Well, again, given the fact that you have had inconsistent times within his play, that's why there's always been this question mark. Now, also, you have essentially the social media meme of Kirktober going on, and everybody <laughs> loves because his his numbers in October are always insane when he plays. And to see a Kirk Cousins become more confident in his line and his weapons, it just what exactly what we were just talking about. Once he gets that comfort, then you're going to see him be able to feel like I don't have to worry about the other stuff and the happy feet and hearing, you know, monsters coming from all directions, like he can sit back there and actually focus on delivering the ball to the players that are open. And I think as long as we give him the ability to have that confidence, I just feel like his consistent play is going to help make this team more consistent overall. I mean, just think about when he changes plays at the line of scrimmage. Um, I'm sure there's a stat out there that shows the, I guess, yards to gain that the Vikings get when Kirk Cousins uh, changes to play at the line of scrimmage, but I feel like every time he has the control to look at a defense and say, okay, we're doing this, we are always put in a position to succeed. So the fact that he's able to um, have the the wherewithal to understand that there's always two plays to go to, and if I like this play, I'm going to go with it, and the offense trusts him to do that, and they have, um, I guess, his full trust and his full confidence, I, I think that's going to bode well for this Minnesota Vikings offense going forward, and I don't think we've ever seen Kirk have this much control of an offense. And um, hopefully it only makes us better as we go forward. But that has been really exciting to see just a, a different, new and improved, I guess, just a, a more swaggy Kirk. For me, the word I would use is empowerment. You know, he's empowered by his head coach who understands the position to be able to go out there and run things the way he needed to. That was always the thing that everyone talked about, like when Farb walked in the door here, the difference in play was he walked in saying, this is my team, this is my offense, I know what I'm doing, leave me alone, let me go play football. If we're at that point in that stage of his career where he can make all the throws and he knows what he's doing and he's getting to a system where he feels consistent, 
that empowerment of him to be able to go out there and say, we trust you to make the right decision, go play football, I think is going to be huge when we keep having more and more success this way. How much of uh, him wearing Christian Derisaw's no, chain? No, that's what I was going to say. Gonna say I was going to say, word, so yeah. you're saying the chain didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It's the empowerment chain. Yeah, because he said, uh, what was his comment? He said, after wearing the chain he felt for empowered. Friend, he felt empowered. You're so, right. You know? So you kept using the word empowered. I'm like, well, yeah. it's the Christian Derisaw effect. You know, when I asked for pick six questions this week from a lot of fans, they were like, so question, is the team going to buy Kirk his first chain? <laughs> it was very, 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 a lot of, and I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm debating going in the locker room and asking Kirk that question on camera for pick six, but I need a 30 second answer. And I know he's just going to give me a five second one. He's going to be like, no, I'm good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to be like, I have to practice. Why are you bothering me with these dumb questions think, about chains? Yeah. I think Kirk should buy everyone a chain. <laughs> or, or well, just, I think the opposite. I think that everyone should collect like a hundred bucks. Would that cover it? Probably not. Well, JJ's chain is probably still in the end zone at US Bank Stadium. I think he picked it up. He picked it. Yeah. He I'm, did pick I it up. So. Maybe I Kirk took so. that, that and like That should be a word to the wise. Like, let's not wear your like chain that costs how much my car is around your neck while you're playing a violent game. <laughs> Listen, if you're Justin Jefferson at this point, whatever he's doing is Do working. Whatever you Stop. <laughs> I mean, Stop changing. Where's three chains? Three chains? That would be a little heavy. Maybe we should just get it. He should just get it sewn into like the um, the collar of his, of his jersey. I mean, not to mention he wears gold fronts in his mouth too. Sure. While he plays? While yeah. he plays. Like, do Question. Is that is that like instead of a mouth guard? Yeah. So it's probably got like a mouth guard on the chain. Like I'm sure they're on the, custom, on the, on the, on the, on the um, gold, grill. On the grill. So okay. I'm, I'm sure they make grills that can protect your mouth. Grill also. guards. Yeah. Gr- there, grill you, guards. there you go. And it's like 14 karat. Wow. Diamonds. Why did I not think of that idea? Billion dollar idea. Oh right my there. gosh. You both went to LSU. I know. One of, one of you guys he thought probably, of it first. Probably one of my classmates <laughs> who thought of it. Gosh dang it. That's a really good idea. Anyway, really off topic now. I see like the Minnesota Vikings at home. I see. You're not going to let that go, are you? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. If not, I might use it in my Instagram pa- caption today. There we go. No, actually, shout out Lainey Austin for that uh, impeccable uh, tagline. I, I was like, this is excellent work. She goes, well, I've been sitting on this one for a while and really hoping it was going to happen. And and when it happened, I was ready to press send. I was like, good for you, girl. Good for you. Okay, second part of the game. Gabe, what is one thing you think this team needs to improve on? Run defense, even though it was really good on Sunday. Um, this past Sunday was the first game where we have not allowed over 100 yards on the ground in a game. And that that was empowering. But at the same time, the first four games of the year, um, we've allowed at least 115 yards. So um, you bring in Harrison Phillips, you got Dalvin Tomlinson. I think Jonathan Bullard has done a, a great job the past couple of weeks, but I still think they could take their game to another level. And um, the the – the Super Bowl winning teams or the teams that are really good in the playoffs are the ones that can stop the run. Right now, we're 20th in the NFL. A week before, we were 26th. So we're getting better. But it's just the fact of making it a statement that, hey, we can rush four guys and you still can't run on us. It, it does require some skill, but I do think we have the skill in our defensive line. I think it's just a mindset. And uh, as we continue to, to progress in the season, um, I want to see that part of our defense get better. Totally fair. I think the communication is improving. I think they're just continuing to gel. And I think, like you said, the improvement from week to week is all you can ask for. Um, It's a new unit. It's a new defense. I feel like, again, majority of the pick six questions were regarding the defense and, and their play. So I don't think we've seen the best yet of any unit here. Even even earlier in the podcast, Gabe, when you were like, you know, we uh, 
we've seen the best of things. I, I, I beg to argue that like maybe we haven't seen the best of the defense. Maybe yet. flashes. We've seen flashes. flashes yeah, because yeah. I because I do think we have seen the offense and special teams flash at their peaks, right, or potential peaks. Mm-hmm. And the defense is just kind of leaving it there. But we've They're seen doing the enough. They're doing enough. Right. Like it's so. a bunch of bend, but don't break. Yes. And like we don't want yes. to see the bend as much. Right. Like, right. Because there's going to be now. a day where the offense is not going to gel. Right. Like for sure. Philly. For sure. You know, for so. Sure. Yeah. But if, and you should be able to expect two of the three phases to be able to pick it up if the other one sure. isn't. And that's, for sure. that's the way that's why we've been so excited with what yeah. we've seen from special teams is there's been the special teams that has been, you know, uh, five or a seven out of eight kick game last week. Those kind of pieces are the ones that will help pick it up. Now, I will argue that the game against the Bears was not the best special teams game. No. But the offense and defense did what they had to do in order to make it work. And it's those kind of teams that are the ones that have continued success. Now, what we're all looking for is kind of my point, which is just consistency. That That is my biggest thing with all of this. Is is that your one thing you want to improve is, on? That is my improvement. Nice. Is the consistency side, which is... We've all seen the eye test of feeling like I, I get a phone call essentially from my mom after every game going, I can't take this anymore. It's going to kill me at this point with all the stress of watching a game. And I guess for me, even looking at yesterday, the Bears statistically should not have been remotely close score wise to what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, first downs, we out had them 29 to 14. Third downs, we were 12 of 15. They were four of 10. Total plays, we had 74, they had 47, and total yards was 429 to 271. Insane. How did we have to come down to the last (laughs) seconds to get a touchdown Uh, to win that game? It shouldn't have been close. You're right. And so, you know, yes, defensively, they changed how they played against us in the second half, but I have a hard time believing that should completely shut us down to the point where we can't score until the last, essentially, three minutes of the game in order to have to win it. So. The consistency feeling, I guess, that the trust factor is the thing that some of us have talked about and just saying, like, you you don't know if you can fully trust this team. And I know part of that is the history and everything else. But what we've seen so far between the offense, defense, special teams, there's no consistency fully from all three phases. And that is why everyone feels like at this point there's still room for growth. So that's my biggest thing is consistency. That kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with what I think is something this team needs to improve on is that that is playing for all four quarters. I think, you know, so much was made last year about the point disparity uh, between the end of the first half and the end of the second half. And I feel like it's almost almost reversed a little bit. I mean, I think that this team scores on every opening drive. It comes out on the obviously the scripted nature of that. First opening drive seems to work really, really well. And this time they were able to carry that into the second quarter. But guys, I want you to guess how many points you think this team has scored in the third quarter. Six. Oh, you already know this one. Oh, I didn't. Oh, were we supposed to were play? Are you serious? Dumb? Yeah. Oh. No, like we. Well, if you know it, great. I mean, I'm not oh, trying to like stump oh. anybody. I was like, dang, I but should guess. Six guess points. Yeah. Six points. So I think when you go from like you score 51 points in the second quarter and then the third quarter you have six. That's where the teams really can take advantage of it, and they'll start seeing that. And, it, and so it's the end of the second quarter, third quarter now, so it's kind of creeped up a little bit. But those things, you have to start playing full games. You can't have these lulls because that's what happens when a team with the stats that you just mentioned or you just reared off, that's how they get back into it. Well, that was exactly the Bears game where yeah. the very last drive there was the issue. They score right before half, and then they get the ball back, and then they turn around and score again, and all of a sudden – 
they're throwing up, you know, double digit points in order to try to get back in that game. And that was where the kind of the ebbs and flows and momentum, yep. you know, good teams bury a team like that. Don't let them do that at the end of a half come out. And, and even if they do score at the beginning of the second half, that's fine. We're still going to put points up and just keep running away. And that was the scary factor yesterday was saying, why are we in this point when we were blowing them out in the first half and going yep. bananas like make that happen for the second half instead of having to constantly be like, oh, you're we're, we're killing this race right now. Let's let them catch up and then we're going to sprint to the end in order to, to outlast them. Yeah, it's all about adjustments, right? Especially at the half and understanding that what we're, we're being outscored 33 to six in the third quarter. That to me, that just is a definition of we're not making the right adjustments and teams are, uh, especially when they get the ball coming out of the break, because teams kind of have an idea of what you want to run based off of your first half. It's like, okay, this is they're trying to get the ball to JJ. Let's cut him off and then we'll figure it out from there. So um, I think we just need to be a little bit faster. And I think Kevin O'Connell knows that he'll figure that out. And then on the other side of the ball, it's just the defense understanding that, okay, there are scripted plays that they want to run coming out of halftime. So let's do what we need to do. I'm not going to like offer any advice here, but let's just do what we need to do to stop them. And and, and hopefully uh, that that tide can turn this second half of the season or this next few games of the season. That third quarter has been the inconsistent factor of the entire season. Now juxtapose that to fourth quarter where we've literally given up one touchdown in the fourth <laughs> quarter, and that was to the Saints yeah. in London, and that's the only touchdown we've given up in the fourth quarter all season. That's a fantastic stat mm-hmm. to keep running with, including that Eagles game they didn't score that second half. Like, yeah. That's a big deal yeah. on our end that it means defensively, like you were saying with the adjustments, it's almost like you're figuring out in the third quarter, oh, this is the second half, and then fourth quarter you're locking it down. Right. That's the consistency part of that, too, is just saying third quarter-wise, don't have the lull in order to have to try and out-sprint in the fourth. Just if you can bury a team coming out of half, then keep that fourth quarter going and you've got everything locked down. All right. Well, before we get to Jalen Rager, I have one more thing I want to get to, and that's to shout out Gabe. Back when roster cut day happened, who knew his most valuable <laughs> offensive weapon, Amir Smith-Marset, would actually come through and win a game for the Minnesota Vikings? <laughs> Dude, that I was... had to razz you on that, man. Oh, like. <laughs> I was talking to uh, my 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 friend that was in town this weekend. I was like, dude, don't ever go back and watch the fifty three man cut video because I sound like a pure idiot. No, you you knew more than all of us. I was like, if you ever want a Smith Marset to win you a game, this year is the year. And look at what he did for us. He did. You were so right, and you didn't even know it. Yeah, I, I wish I need to start predicting these things more. You should. I'm trying to think who's next. I don't know. I don't know who plays. For it the was, it was almost like you you knew more than all of us. And we were just there in the dark laughing at you. And you were like, I'm going to get you guys. <laughs> I, I did feel bad for him, though, because the, the nature of what of how it happened and where it happened on the field. It happened <sighs> right, right in front of in Kevin O'Connell. I know. On the last play of the game. I know. Uh, and then pregame, Amir Smith-Marset was like in this mode where he wasn't talking to anybody. And like we all know sure. Amir. Oh, like yeah. He's like joyful, playful. I probably would have done the same thing, though, for in all sure. honesty. I probably would have wanted to tune everyone out. So I kind of felt bad for him. I'm like, damn it, man. Like I, I wanted to win the game, but like this. So. Cam Dancer does this on every play, though. You, it was bound to work. And it worked right when it needed to. Perfectly. And that's the thing is like these guys have history too. I mean, they've oh, known each gosh, other all, through, all the battles and everything. And so I to have that happen the way it did with him, that was the thing at the end. I was like, man, that's got to feel crazy on yeah. his part. Just knowing how bad you wanted to put your best foot forward. You mm-hmm. wanted to come in. You wanted to show him. 
and to have it happen that way at yeah. the end of the game, man, that's got to be rough. But sorry, sorry. I'm Amir, sorry. I'm, I'm not I'm, sorry, though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just had to give Gabe a hard time for I mean, that because he's actually smarter than all of us and we didn't even know it. <laughs> but, but I should work for the Bears is what yeah. it sounds like. <laughs> no, you were right but the I, whole time. No, but, the, but that's the thing is, Amir, he, he is, that's the thing you feel like this kid is a talented kid. Very. But to have those that kind of a lapse or those kind of lapses happen, I think is part of the reason why they, they felt like they could let him go. And yeah. and I, and I want to see the kids succeed. I really do. I, I think it's a lot of fun when you have guys that you've identified from early on that you gave a chance to that make it, whether it's here or throughout the entire league, it just shows like how smart your scouts are and, and how good your front office is to identify these characters. But to have those kind of moments happen like that, man, that's got to be a big gut punch for him. You know, I know I was right about Amir Smith-Marset, <laughs> but at the same time, he won us the game, yes. and then Jalen Rigger got a touchdown. And that was the guy. <laughs> thought? That's the guy that, um, I guess, true. who replaced, yeah, replaced Smith-Marset. Yeah. How so, bittersweet. That's crazy. Hey, we won. Well, speaking of Mr. Rigger, let's bring him on to the Minnesota Vikings podcast for the first time. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com backslash skull science to learn more. This is your 3M play of the week. When the Vikings needed a play the most, Cam Dantzler answered with a game-sealing play. Fields back to pass, throws left, it's caught. Amir Smith-Marset against his former team. This has been your 3M Play of the Week. 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. He scored his first touchdown as a Viking on Sunday in the Bears' victory. It's also his first time on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Jalen Rager, how's it going, man? It's going good. It's going good. What was it like to reach pay dirt on on Sunday? Well, for the first time here, it was like, you know, it was special. But, you know, that's that was a play like I expect to make. So, you know, it wasn't nothing just... Like, oh, wow, it was just, I mean, that's what I do. I feel like every time Justin Jefferson scores, I see you running up to him. Yeah, I got like a dance coordinated. What was the dance this week when you scored? It's, just, it's like I said, it's like a field thing. We usually do it in practice, but okay. it's just, it's something we, we do like, a, like beyond the wide outs. And then whatever we come up with, that's what we do on game day. I hear that. I hear that. It's a week by week thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know it has to be, I mean, just personal, you know, to get that. I mean, everybody's first touchdown has to be like a, a good feeling. So like for you, getting the first touchdown as a Minnesota Viking. Can you describe like that feeling of like getting an end zone and like sitting with the moment now that it's been, I guess, 24 hours? Honestly, the play, like the way the play happened, when you watch it on film, it's like, it didn't feel like it like happened that way. It felt like it was more like quick, but when we watch it on film, it's like, like, you know, so it's one of those things like everybody was expressing their way they feel about the play to me. And I was like, that ain't really happened like that. And then <laughs> I seen it, I'm like, okay. What did they say? The move I made. So On Roquan? Yeah. The NFL's leading tackler, that move was amazing. <laughs> I mean, in the moment, do you can you see, like, you know, I obviously haven't played before. Can you see, like, is it does it slow down when you see a guy coming like that and you make a miss? Like That's part of the – that's why I'm good at punt return because, like, that's like a move you make this close quarter. So it was like I had two things in my mind. It was either I was going to beat him to the pylon or if he overplayed, I was going to make a miss. So it was like one of those things. I just wasn't going to be denied because – 
I was waiting on them, waiting on Coach uh, KO to call that play anyway. So is it an instinctual thing at that yeah. point? Yeah, it's like that's something like you know. It's just I feel like it's a field thing, you know, that like with anything like, you know, the job you guys do or anybody's job, you kind of have like a feel for everything. So it was that's why I say like when I watch it on film, I'm like, oh, but in real time, it was just like a move and I was in the end zone. So, man, how, how much of your vision is attributed to your, your father being in the NFL? He played defensive tackle, I believe, I believe nine years. Yeah. And like that's the other side of the ball. So like. Understanding uh, you on the offensive side of the ball, how much of your vision has played into that? Um, I've kind of well, it's kind of like I've been like learning the game of football forever. So being on his side, and then like in high school, I played. Um, I didn't play receiver until I was a, ju a junior in high school. Oh wow! So I was I played corner. So like I was always on the defensive side of the ball. But like I said, it's like you know we played this long. You kind of know the flow of everything. Like it's like if you ask Dalvin, like or or Maddie or anybody, like you, it's kind of. It's like repetition. You see it every day. You just go through it and and you react. Honestly, uh, I mean, I feel like why receive. You're right. Like you're right. But um, I know I, I was reading an article and um, I remember you were running. It was an article of like when John Kitna, yeah, y'all were running routes together. And you met Des Bryant for the first time. And, uh -huh. and that was like that was like early on to your receiver career, right? That was that was my junior year actually. Like, okay, that was right when I moved to receiver because that's when Coach Coach Kitna had came to Waxhatchee. So, so when do you know, like, as a receiver, to like, okay, I can, I, I'm, I'm pretty crisp at running routes because Des Bryant is, I mean, Des Bryant is Des Bryant. Man, I don't, I don't know. It was honest. I remember. So we had seven on seven, and I remember that it was like the same week Coach Kidner came, and he was watching me run routes, and he was like, because at first I was doing like DB drills and stuff. He was like, man, you ever thought about playing receiver? I'm like, no, but I do it. And he was like, I mean, we're gonna try. Like, we start, you know, bring ball and everything. We're gonna put you at receiver. And I never moved to the other side of the ball. So. No, he had back-to-back 1,000-yard -back <laughs> seasons yeah. and never played there before. That's incredible. Yeah. Do you still stay in touch with Coach Kitna? All the time, yeah. That's like – because he was more like a father figure too. Like he didn't just – it wasn't about like just football all the time. So we rarely even talk about football. It's, you know, mainly talking about like our faith and, you know, just staying the course and just, you know, having a positive mindset. How how much did you lean into that relationship during your first couple of seasons here in the NFL? Because your journey is really interesting. Right. It's been, it hasn't been easy. Right. I mean, it just, it's kind of one of those things like you got to go through it to get through it. So, you know, and, you know, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. So, I mean, like I always say, you know, what's slow is for sure and what's fast don't last. So you just take your time and everything going to fall in place how it's supposed to. Can you say that one more time for the radio audience that's listening in the back? <laughs> what's slow is for sure, what's fast don't last. Man, and I feel like your your journey right now of uh, getting through, I feel like just the noise, right? Like, right. I, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, whenever I see somebody's Instagram story and it's like more than like 10, I guess, like stories, I'm right. like, all right, I'm, I'm swiped to the other one. I was watching your story right. today and you probably got 30 congratulations on your touchdowns. Right. And um, It was more than that. I didn't know. <laughs> so he didn't flip on yours. He sat there and pressed I, I, it all I the way through. Going. Wow, okay. It's a lot of people that actually do love me. So. <laughs> so I, 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 we love you. Yeah. So how do you filter through that noise? Like I said, you kind of, it's like exactly like you say, you filter through it. You know what's genuine and you know what's not. So, I mean, like, if you go through my story, like, all of those people that actually, like, they check in with me on the daily, weekly. Like, it ain't just when you do something good or, you know, you do something bad. It's like they check on you just because. And most of those people are family. And, you know, you go through my comments, you see guys like, you know, Stefan Diggs and all type of guys because they know, you know, it's hard to go through what anybody goes through on the field. You see people get hurt. You see people go through different journeys and get traded, get released. So they know, you know, and it, it doesn't go, you know, unnoticed. And I kind of remember before um, 
we played the Giants, and this is before Bradbury came from the Giants to the Eagles. And he was like, he was like, man, like keep going, like you, I, I can see it, and it's just those things I don't forget. So you know, it keeps me going. That's real. What teammate, maybe here in particular, helped you feel most at home when you got here so quickly? You know, you had to dive into the playbook. You had to get to know the coaching staff. It was all brand new. Who really took you under their wing and helped you along? Adam, KJ Osborne, uh, and Chris Boyd. <laughs> Cam, well, really, because, like, I kind of I knew him, Cam Dantzler, and, of course, Ross. So, like, and Austin uh, Slopeman. So, like, I played with those guys. So, of course, them. But as far as, like, on my side of the ball, I'll probably say Adam and KJ for sure. Understanding that, man, um, it, it seems like you guys got a, got a close-knit room. And oh, yeah. understanding that, how how have you been able to, I guess, just learn on the go with those guys that, I mean, Adam's a 10-year vet, but everybody's in the new offense. Right. So how have you been able to learn on the go with these guys? I mean, you just, that's where you, you take on that veteran, like, you know, the veteranship. Like, I just, you know, take little bits and pieces from how he learned or how KJ may take notes or how Jets may take notes or just anything. And then Coach K-Mac, Coach McCardle, he's, he been recruiting me since he was at Maryland when oh, I was wow. in high school. Wow. So I've been knowing Coach K-Mac. Like, even when I got traded, I still had his number. Like, when he called me, he was like, you know who this is? I was like, yeah. So <laughs> That's great. You know, you just you just take it a day at a time. And uh, even Coach K.O., those, you know, they've been keeping a, you know, they, they hold me accountable. But it's coming slowly but surely. How calming is it to be here, in a sense? As far as, like, just, like, playing football? Yeah, like, you're focusing on the game. There's not a lot of noise. You're able to just kind of... It sounds like you it sounds like there's a lot of people that have your back here that wanted you here. Like what's that feeling like? I mean, it's always a good feeling to be wanted somewhere, but it's better than being like, you know, when you're being embraced or when, you know, you just have people looking out for you. So it's kind of a it's a it's a different feel, but you know, like like I said, it's all about genuine injury, energy and being like pure. So have you been able to I guess I know where this is the Vikings podcast, but have you been able to explore Minnesota, like the state and like get out and like make yourself feel like home yet? Yeah, but I mean, all I do is really just shop and go and chill at the house. Oh, where are you shopping? Uh, like I like streetwear, so like Piff, Mall of America, cool, but they don't really got like type of stores. But it's 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 is it good big? for. I say yeah. my comments. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I kind of I'll drive around and stuff like that. But I'm really I, I'm real chill. So how how would because I mean you you were in Philly like we're, we're gonna be honest with that. How how would you describe Philly fans versus like Minnesota fans? I would say they're it's the same, but like. They have a good, like, Minnesota has a good passion. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. <laughs> yes, I do know what you're saying. We, we hear you loud and clear. <laughs> yeah, it's like a good passion. Like, even though, like, like for example, like, Kirk Thor interception, they ain't the end of the world. Right. Like, right. You, know, you know what I'm saying? So, or, like, I think it was, like, what game was it? Detroit? Mm -hmm. I think Jets had dropped, like, two passes. Like, mm -hmm. you drop a pass like that, like, over there, they like, yeah, like, nah. It's tough. Yeah, so it's like, but it, it's, it comes with, you know, this territory. But like I said, it's more, I feel like it's more of a pure energy over here, like, you know, so. We're like, what, five weeks into the season. What do you think the identity of this offense is? Oh, man, everybody eats, for sure. So the offense is wide open. And the way that, you know, we install and go through practice, you can see it. You know, it's not just, of course, you know, you have your guys, but, I mean, this offense is wide open for everyone. Irv, KJ, Adam, Jets, me, Dalvin, Maddie, uh, CJ, Johnny. It's, I mean, it's it's pretty much open. So, I mean, you just go out there and know your assignment and make your plays. I mean, the first eight guys that you just named have all either scored a touchdown or had exactly. big games in the NFL. Like, how <laughs> – when is this offense at its best? Man, when when Kirk don't get touched. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, you seen yesterday it was, what, 17 for 17? Oh, yeah. So, I mean – 
when Kirk in rhythm and he, you know, that's that's the general of the offense. And then we know the good the good offensive line we have. Did you feel like that when you were looking at the playbook? Like when you were seeing what you were seeing, were you was there an excitement? Was there like a oh this I could fit really well into this? Um uh, yeah, I mean just because you know this offense is. You know, with KO coming from the Rams and, you know, the Rams offense, you see, like, guys like Odell, Van Jefferson. You see that offense, so you see, like, you know, how this offense could be. And then you just watch, you know, KJ and Adam and Je You see those guys every day. It's like, you know, it looks good and with my skill set. Man, I, I, I think, you know, with your skill set, you, you provide this – uh, dynamic nature of being able to return punts, right. right? You already got a punt return in the in the NFL, your your rookie season. How have you been able to, I guess, thrive in this role? Mm -hmm. And how tough is, or how tough, or how easy is the transition from going from one team being a punt returner to going to a new team being a punt returner? It's pretty, it's easy. Cause okay. I've been doing it for a long time. Okay. So like, and I don't get rattled. So yeah. like, it's kind of one of those things, like, it just is what it is. Like, you take it, like, I've learned, too, like, from my rookie year. Like, because in high school, I used to do, like, I knew, I used to, nobody would ever kick it to me. It would always be, like, <laughs> off the ground. So, like, now, like, they kick it to you and you, you know, you obviously have better punters and stuff like that. You just kind of take it, at, like, a play at a time or a punt at a time. And then, I mean, as far as, like, the transition, you just take what you know and then you, you know, you get the know the lessons and different things from different coaches because like is there any film to being a punt returner like do you i mean you have to watch film yeah, I, you I, watch, I don't, don't want to minimize you yeah. study your the punter and you know his offsets and stuff like that but i mean the bread and butter of it i mean the ultimate goal is to get the ball back to the offense but if you get 10 yards on a return that's a first down that's extra 10 yards for the offense that's a good point you know he was also a gold medalist track star oh, over yeah. here really oh yeah really Dang, can you can you gabe can you guess the event uh, I don't think it's an event. Did I just minimize that? It's a field event. Field oh, it's event? a field event. Okay. Well, that, that, okay. Okay. So I didn't. I didn't totally mess it yeah, up. Oh God. Yeah. Now I was nervous there for a Not second. Because <laughs> if you'd have said track, I'd have been like a hundred. But so it's a field event. So I, field let's event. limit it. I know you would think it would have been I like was, a sprint was, or something. I came. In, I came in second in okay. all the relays. Oh wow. But oh okay. I won state. Four by long four. Jump. Long jump. Long he just jump. told you. Wow. Mm -hmm. Long that, jump. That explains the explosiveness. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like track and pump returning goes hand in hand. I feel like track and football goes hand in hand. Oh, yeah, if you oh, run yeah. track, track definitely makes you a better football player. I feel like like track, for example, right? Like everybody is fast in the state of Texas. How do you, I guess, growing up there, um, living up to the hype of going to a big-time school, you chose TCU over Bama, and then getting in the NFL, you score a, new, score a touchdown this week. How have you been able to, I guess, not live up to the hype, but stay true to yourself? That's where I say, like, it's one of those things, like, you kind of, like you're saying, like, stay true. Like, you take it a day at a time because you know, like, it's easy to get away from yourself around even different groups. Like, going from different teams, you could be like, I got to live up to this certain, like, when you really don't, you just got to do what you, like I said yesterday, like, with the touchdown, like, I was, you know, I'm used to that. So it was like, it was like one of those things, like, it was a surprising moment, but it was like, like, all right, this is what you're used to doing. Like, so just keep doing it. Well, we're excited to have you here as a Minnesota Viking. Thank you so much for your time. Jalen Rager, can't wait to see you do more of those things. Absolutely. Those very special things on Sunday moving forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Jalen Rager for being here today. Loved his insight. Honestly, like it's really refreshing to hear a little bit more about someone. I mean, I know he talks to the media and stuff, but it is nice to kind of get an insight into what he's been through the last like two and a half years. Yeah, he's a really good guy. Yeah. Um, he's Texas through and through. When I listen to him, I just think about Chris Boyd and just like the accent and 
uh, personality, but uh, he's a guy that you can tell. I mean, he said what's slow is for sure and what's fast won't last. Like I you can tell that, that's yeah. how he he models his life. And uh, he's been the ultimate team player coming here, former first round pick, just wanted to find a role on this team being a punt returner and actually found the end zone as a receiver before he could as a punt returner. So um, I'm, I'm excited for his future here. Um, the weapons that we have on this offense, he he named just a few of them. Um, I, I think the sky's the limit, and I'm, I'm so glad he's on this team. This team at least will offer him the runway to yeah. you know kind of get his feet set again. I, I feel like a guy like Jalen is coming into a good situation where he can come in here, he can work with a bunch of proven veterans, he can work with some different guys that are within his group, but he doesn't necessarily have to have the pressure of you have to be the guy. And I think that was what, you know, being a first-round pick in Philly with the expectations of what they had when they drafted him, because of the way that things went over there, the fact he's got a, a kind of new place that he can just start afresh, I think this is a perfect place for a guy like him to come in, find his role, find his confidence, and get back on that field and just keep scoring touchdowns at this point. For sure. I also think that this offense, this Wes Phillips passing game coordinator, like Kevin O'Connell's offensive style really can – play towards Jalen Rager because it already feels like when he's out there, these plays are designed for him. Like they're spotlighting his strengths. But you, you still have to respect him though as a receiver. And I think that's that's why he's so good to have on the field because yeah, he may get the ball when he's on the field, but he's still a first round receiver. So he can still catch the ball and yeah. do what he needs to do. But I mean, to your point of in the goal line, like you know where the ball's going. Like you just can't stop it. So good luck. Yeah. You know where the ball's going, except for on that play when they put him in motion. I don't think a lot of people were necessarily thinking he's going to be doing the one doing the jet sweep. Then he makes a move and and you know leaves. leaves Roquan in. Smith yeah. in the dust. That's the thing is you know <laughs> Roquan's basically tying his shoelaces on the field and he's walking <laughs> in the end zone. I, when you see those kind of things, that's what makes you excited about him is just feeling like you know this guy can play. Just put him in the right situation and let's see what he can do. And, and hopefully that's what's going to happen with him for the future. I'm excited. Me too. And what I'm also excited about is this week's Audible, Gabe. Who, who we got? The plan for the Audible this week is to have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. Um, those two guys are insufferable, like peanut butter and jelly. So to have those guys just balance each other out on our show is going to be a lot of fun. And bare, I guess just like big personalities too. Um, a lot of people don't know that Alexander Madison is like a very – like joyful guy. Yeah, he's a goofball. He's a goofball. And um, I feel like both of those guys being together mm -hmm. bring each other's personalities out. And, I mean, they complement each other on the field. So uh, it'll be good to have both of those guys on the show. Honestly, like I think, and if you haven't caught the Audible, like I really think you got to start watching just for the sheer fact of like, it's not just one guy. Like the podcast is fun. We get to really dive in. We have a lot of time with these guys. But when you get them on Audible and they're like talking to each other. Yeah. That has kind of been the most fun part for me being involved this year is watching these guys interact with each other and how that brings them out of their shells a lot more. There's the there's the professional side that you normally see these guys that they have to carry themselves in in press conferences. You get to the audible and they're just kind of opening up like the buddies that they are from that room. That's the fun dynamic. That's where you really sure. feel like you get to understand who these people are as, as a person. Yeah. This week and, should be fun. Yeah, I think this week will be super fun. Awesome. We're also going to have Christian Derrissaw as our game day live interview this week. Got to highlight the big guy who's doing big things. And Gabe, you got Friday football feast on Friday. Got to highlight his chain, too. You got to highlight Oh, that. you know I'm going to be asking about that chain. <laughs> cool. 
Uh, Friday football feast. This week in uh, Crystal, Minnesota, this should be a fun one. I think Chad Greenway will be on at 9.15 as always, and uh, I'll have the last hour of the show. So uh, just come kick it with us. We'll talk football, talk whoever, The crowds whatever. have been amazing this time around. Phenomenal. And PA, is uh, he knows how to control a crowd. So it makes everybody's job easy that's there. So the fact that we're winning, I feel like that kind of brings that out the crowd does. a little bit more also. So You might be on to something. We'll, we'll bring out the juice for sure. All right. Well, up next, the Vikings take on the Miami Dolphins on the road before we head into the bye week. It's a chance for these Vikes to improve to five and one. Before then, just check out Vikings.com and the Vikings on any of your social channels for all of the content and interviews, behind the scenes stuff leading into the big game on Sunday. Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids.